Good morning. Welcome to the Fill Your Stop Podcast channel, the number one show where law enforcement goes to be informed and entertained. Right here like five days a week, baby. It's Podcast Palooza for me, for me this week. I just did three Patreon shows with some of the most incredible human beings on the planet, only to drive three hours home to be here in the nick of time. To be with Drew Breezy, Tom Rizzo, father, mentor, police captain, all this and more on today's Failure to Stop Breakdown. Let's go. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, it's gonna be rough. This is gonna be rough. My cables are all jacked up. Josh isn't in here in the studio to fix anything. Got Tom Rizzo, got the easy season, the beautiful, the Drew Breezy. Here we go. Thank you guys. Today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. It sleeps so good, it's scary. We also got Factor Meals. Promo code Wolfpack50. That's five zero for 50, 50% off. How do any of these companies make money giving 50% off to you peasants? I don't know, but take advantage of it right now. You're getting fucked by everybody else. Take advantage of Factor Meals and GhostBed giving 50% off three weeks before Black Friday. It's insane. I don't know how much Christmas spirit I can handle this early in November, but listen, uh, my frustrations are your uh, your your gifts and your victories. So take advantage of it right now, Drew Breezy. What's up, dude? Tom Rizzo, pleasure, brother. <clears throat> well, I'm honored to have Tom Rizzo here. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm if there's one person in this profession that I'm jealous of, and I I know he will blush when I say this, but if there's one person that I'm jealous of, it's most definitely Tom Rizzo, um, <clears throat> because he's teaching the course that I I, I lived. You know, he's got this ivory tower course, which we're going to talk about. He started his career in uh, de uh, in December of 2001. If that sounds familiar, that's because it was right after 9/11. He has uh, he has kin, he has lineage in the New York Police Department. So obviously, he's a very service-minded individual. He works up in the Northeast as a captain at a law enforcement agency. And um, we're proud to have him. He's uh, he's got a uh, he has a bachelor's from the University of Central Florida, which is a different story. Uh, but he has a, a master master's from uh, Seton Hall, so uh, we don't know if he was in the Sweet Sixteen or not. And we do know that I am uh, my master's is from the University of South Florida, the fierce rival of the University of Central Florida. So. Uh, look, this guy, uh, if you look at his Instagram bio, Tom Rizzo, he's as human as he comes, uh, as he comes. Like, I want to get into some of the book uh, reviews that people have put on there just so you can see what kind of human is. But look, he's a human and he's sitting right here and I'm doing all of this talking. Tom, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm great. And uh, let me tell you, man, I, I thank you guys for even taking the time to have me. I know schedules are tough and I appreciate you dropping all this way to accommodate my schedule. So uh, thank you so much. It's, it's really it's an honor to be here with you. Oh, dude, thank you. The world revolves around you tonight. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> leaps and bounds. Drew, I've never set up a podcast so fast in my entire life, by the way. Uh, well, I'm glad uh, because poor Tom, like, he came from, like, you're complaining about this drive you did. He flew from 
the Northeast. You know what I'm saying? And he still got in here uh, and set up. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was a chore to get us all on the same page. We 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 actually were supposed to do this on the third of November, but we uh, the three of us had scheduling conflicts, as a matter of fact. So that's what uh, that's what brought us to today. So, so thank Tom, you for getting up? so. Tell me about up. yourself, brother. What's going on? Like, what do we what do we what are we in for tonight? You know, uh, so I say all the time, man, I'm nothing special. I just try to be the voice for what a lot of uh, ideas that we all share and commiserate about, right? So um, grew up blue collar family. Uh, grandfather was my mentor. He was NYPD. Uh, my father was New York City bus driver. So it's just all I knew was blue blood. Um, but ironically, uh, what brought me down to Florida was uh, I had aspirations of playing ball, um, came down, and uh, but my mother was terminally ill. So my father being a New York City bus driver, we didn't have money. So I went behind their back and I joined the military and I landed in Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, oh, you know, yeah. it's nothing that I ever wanted to do, but I always had, I always revered and I always respected the military. Uh, but I did it behind her back because I was on my ass, you know, I was uh, alone. Um, I, I had no support, um, you know, rare nowadays that these kids understand that, but, um, you know, um, it was my right, my left hand. That was it. So I needed money. Um, and I wanted to also try to get my college in. So, uh, I went, you know, the military route. Uh, and when I said it saved my life is they introduced me to so much. Uh, and I started to think, all right, maybe I should make a career out of this. Uh, but, it, you know, I had command level officers there and drill instructors that were like, you know, you got, you're doing great, but is this really what you want to do? And I said, with respect, no, you know, I, I'm lost. I don't have anybody to tell me which way to go. So I ended up doing the reserve style route instead and to go back to school, UCF. Um, but that's where I start what I call my rucksack of regret because uh, the unit that I was attached to, we got uh, geared up to go to Iraq, uh, 550 days, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And uh, that was right at the time uh, that my mother was about, um, you know, to go off to the next dimension. They let me go and uh, and go home, be with my mom. And I missed my deployment. Um, oh. And they were they were OK with it. That wasn't the point. They were great about it. But for me, um, I signed up to say I would do something that I didn't. So mm. I always say how this follows us. Right. And then the Pac-Man bites and then hurt people, hurt people, right? Uh, because we don't know how to deal with it. So when September 11th happened, my father was there. I don't, I still don't know how he survived uh, because he was literally right there um, uh, on a bus <laughs> of all places. Um, he didn't get home until the next day. He looked like Wiley Coyote. And, um, and I said, you know what? Uh, I lost a cousin um, and uh, a few friends. Uh, for us up here in the Northeast, it's like, you know, everybody's got a, an attachment to 9-11, right? So uh, I said, F this. Uh, I'm nothing special. A trunk monkey could have been hired back then. So the first two departments I signed, you know, signed up to take a test for, I got hired by both. And I said, yeah, because I, I knew I wasn't going to stay. I just wanted to get into the job where I currently work is where I wanted to go. Uh, so that was it, man. And I started from there. But uh like you guys, you know, I've always been respectfully insubordinate. Yeah, I've always been. Um, I just don't, I, you know, why? Not? So, but the difference is, I think with guys like us is I'll say, hey, I don't like that, but I'll raise my hand and say, can I get a crack at it then? So I don't just gripe to gripe. I sure. always believe in at least uh, I got a big mouth. Let me try to use it. I think you and I identify with a few things uh, like, first of all, the military changing our lives and, you know, just not, not growing up in uh, a pile of money somewhere. So uh, and then it led to through divine intervention or whatever you want to call it, it led to a career in law enforcement. A robot, uh, mine was a very 
great, you know, I had a great career. I mean, I had a lot of ups and downs and I endured yeah. some punishments because of, uh, because of my behavior or whatever, but I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I, I, yeah. I left when I left on my own terms and, um, I got to that retirement that you talk about in your book. Uh, by the way, the book is uh, Kapikaze. We're going to throw a picture up here in a minute, uh, and we'll talk more about that. But um, <clears throat> talk about the um, uh, the the resilience of uh, having to kind of play the game, but not really having to play the game. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I tell everybody I never wanted to get promoted. I want to do interdiction. That's all I ever. I, I had such a passion for locking up, you know, uh, uh, criminal offenders. I, I still to this day say I don't. I don't care where you work in policing. Never understood cops that are okay with you know not or like I, I don't understand how that that still gets the blood flowing in my veins. So it's all I wanted to do. Uh, unfortunately, like we can relate, right? I was working at the time for a boss that was horrendous. And I said, just like I prefaced it, you know, I could either be part of this problem or I could be part of the solution. So before politics could hurt me and nobody knew who I was, um, you know, I was able to take a test and do very well. Um, so I, when I got promoted, um, they didn't know what to do with me because I was still a baby in a salary guide in the steps, you know. Uh, but, but again, it's because I, I, it was before I was a dark horse. Nobody knew who I was. Uh, so as soon as I got promoted, uh, they give us up here in the Northeast. Uh, West Point is a it's a command and leadership academy. So I was invited to go. That what That's what West I'm Point sorry. does. That's what it yeah, does. So well, so they they you know uh, they do a lot of things. Um, They're doing but, really good at it, by the way. Yeah, well, uh, the best. Yeah, so uh, let's just say um, it was my introduction. I was indoctrinated. Yeah, they give you PL three hundreds junior level semester course, and they give it to us, and they say go ahead. So just like I told you, I went through as a student. Uh, but I kept questioning the curriculum. I said, "This, you know, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, this sounds great, but this isn't what we do with police buildings. So I said, oh, yeah, Big Mouth, why don't you come back and be an instructor? So I said, okay. Okay. You know, <laughs> fine. So here I am, this young loudmouth with only, you know, chevrons. And I said, fine. And I just kept questioning the curriculum of wherever I went. But I gave them a work product that they couldn't deny. So I was that anomaly where, you know, yeah, he's loudmouth, he's annoying, he keeps, you know, causing us issues in terms of this, but he's very good at, you know, acquiring a following. So he was on to something. Um, and so even though I didn't have advocates sometimes where I faced it, um, I just believed and keep doing that and questioning it. So I said, I, I always laughed where I said, no matter where I go, no matter who I meet, just like you guys, uh, I never met a police officer who says like, you know, the job is hard. Everybody says the same thing. The job's fun. It's all this other BS that we get pounded down our throats and inside the buildings that I think causes us to stress the anxiety and the real threats to resiliency compared to the four corners of our districts. Right. Uh, I, I mean, mental health is a buzzword in uh, in the profession now, and yeah. it's unfortunate. Like it's it's devolved into this buzzword where uh, some command staff some some are uh, amazing about it. Some are actually human about it, and they you know they have human beings surrounding them and they listen to them. Uh, others yeah. are just like, yeah, well, we got to work on our mental health and yeah, they're doing this resiliency program and yeah, they're doing this and they're doing that. But for God's sakes, like uh, LA Sheriff's department in the past uh, week in one day lost four to suicide, you know, three, uh, uh, t three active and one uh, retired. And, and, you know, ironically, two of them were uh, supervisors. I mean, one was a, a retired Sergeant. The other was a captain. 
uh, who had been, you know, it's the typical, it's always going to be the guy that, man, I, I never saw that coming. I, ne I never saw that coming. Um, but, you know, the, the culture of, uh, of where we are of bowing to societies, answering questions that aren't even asked uh, by some administrations or putting forth your employees kind of hanging them out to dry just to prove how, uh, you know, how, like, uh, I, I always had this issue that um, you used unethical, as an agency, you used unethical means to prove how ethical you are when you, when you punish me, which is, it's water under the bridge. I just don't like the way it went down. Um, but that takes a toll on an officer's psyche and mental health. And if you don't have a Tom Rizzo or somebody that can speak kind of both languages, administrative and street cop language, then you're screwed because no one there is going to, is going to be advocating for either side, really. Yeah. But you know what though? I don't know what you guys see from what you do and the guests that you have on a show, but uh, I advocate constantly on the fact that I proudly say uh, we don't have a recruitment crisis. We have a retention crisis. Yes. Who's your best recruiters? It's the people that are already in the field that are now telling those forthcoming, don't do it. Don't do it. Yep. So well, I say all the time. I always say what's ruining this profession is too many political police officers that are poisoning the profession. Every cop right now, it's, we're, we're plagued with it. Everybody wants to be a politician. Everybody yeah. wants to be a TikTok star or a, a, every cop that joins. Go ask any cop right now. Go ask any rookie. When I was a field training officer, I saw the switch. I don't know, like 2016, 2017. You start asking rookies, hey, why did you become a cop? It, it, they have every answer under the sun except to fucking be a cop and do the job. They all yep. have aspirations of something way more grandiose than what's in front of them. And so there's nobody yep. really out there actually proud to be a street cop nobody's right. excited to be a street cop that's why you know we do six shows a week it's all different but it's all geared to keep in the street cop entertained right sure. it's not a show for cops you know it's not about yeah. cops we do political news we got society and culture we talk about fucking kanye west all the things on mondays we got political news on wednesday but you know it, the, the, what's going on right now in, in police culture is everybody's a politician yeah. but would politician. you agree would you agree though? It's like we've allowed our ship to get hijacked for that. Like we and I say it's unnecessary. Like some of the politics, the politicking that I see. Hey, here, let, let, let's talk about the pink elephant, right? So look at what happens when we get a big boom. So let's use the easiest example we could use. George Floyd. Okay. I watched no name sheriffs of like 10 person agencies thousands of miles from there who felt the need to do like a letter to their community on why they would never police that way like for what your community didn't ask you you've never been accused of such they never view you that way so it's like so what kills me is and then i'm like you guys i, I mean i don't have a podcast but i'm audacious that way I'll, I'll call these people out and say why did you do that well you know we had to says who <laughs> you show me the name Show me, show me who told you that you had to do that. Tom, show me there was merit. Just show me there was merit in anything that they want. They want the drama. Do you feel like sometimes these police departments just want to be seen or something? Oh, 100%. But you know what? You know what's funny though? And not comedically funny, ironic. You can do the same damn thing when you turn around and say a hero police officer with a day left of work was mowed down by a vehicle. Oh my gosh. Like, but you don't. 
And then we, guys like us, sit there over a beer and a campfire and say, you believe it? The public doesn't support us. Well, I always say, well, why would they? The only thing we ever make newsworthy is when one of us fuck up. Right. Why, why would yeah. we, and, and we barely do it ourselves. I, I mean, yeah. you know, like there, there's a striking chapter in your book about the thin blue line and it, mm -hmm. it gives a little history behind it, but it also, look, it, it's a wake up call. Like, listen, if you're going to live this thin blue line life and, you know, pretend that you're, uh, you know, so righteous, how are you fucking your zone partner's wife? Or how are you uh, snitching on somebody when you know they didn't do something wrong, but you know it's just going to get you ahead? Like yeah. that's if we can't protect ourselves, not 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 against unethical things, but if we can't protect ourselves or we can't evolve as a community, and like you say, like within the hallways, we're scared of one another. How, how are we going to protect the rest of society? How are we supposed to be doing that? I, I don't. But I, I think that goes back. I think that goes back to kind of what you were saying about your FTO time is like. The these this new generation doesn't see it that way because again it's incumbent upon us we don't give them a reason to see it that way right like for me I I always put it in the highest regard a corporal where I work is at twenty years it's not a promotion um, and I would say this was one of the best police officers I ever met and he was I mean he was the street cop you name it in the world of policing he did it so for me I always treated this guy as if he was part of the royal family. And, I'm, and I wanted the young officers to see me, although I ranked him by saying, this guy outranks me in experience and skill and all of that. So it's like, I want to show them, yes, you can still get the respect. You should aspire to do these things. Look everywhere we go, man. People hold the door for this guy. So if self-respect and being distinguished in the career means something to you, so that's kind of my platform now. I say, why wouldn't you want to be distinguished in what we do? You know, it's such a proud... Yeah, I always say we got we've gotten away from doing the right thing because it's the right thing yeah. to do. We're only going to do yeah. the right thing when we can video it. We can put it on the YouTube so we can get the cloud. Of course. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I have to tell you this because it, it coincides with this. I just had the best two days of my life. And I got to just tell you really quick, Tom, because this, this is something you should probably look into. But th these guys, they reached out to me from Albemarle, North Carolina. I've never even heard of Albemarle, North Carolina. I live here. And this guy calls me and he invites me out. He's like, I'm a big fan of your show. I want you to come to our police department. We've got this thing. We made this big, wide case. I'm going to send you the case file. Take a look at it. I didn't take a look at it because I get this all the time. And 90% of the time when somebody wants to come on our show, that's like a sheriff or some, some kind of higher ranking dude. I'm like, fuck off. Like, we're not, that's not, we're not coming. I don't want to hear about your do good shit. Like, yeah, I want stories. I want to keep cops entertained. So I, I almost blew this off, but this guy, he reached out to me. He ends up coming up with Vinny Montez, the, the cop comedian. And he's like, look, I want to get you with Vinny Montez. I want you to do this open thing. And I started, I started to entertain this guy. So he invites me to dinner with the chief yesterday. I, I, I Listen, I almost, literally, I was having a conversation with our producer. I was like, yo, I think I'm going to call in sick. Like, I think I'm going to just make up some shit and I'm not going to go. And then I was like, but I, you know, the, he's a loyal fan. I'm going to fucking do it. Right. Listen, Tom, this, this is the, this guy, this guy's name is George in Albemarle, North Carolina. He walked me through in a warehouse. They have $3 million that they push through. This guy started it on his own where Walmart, Publix, Food Lion, they are delivering pallets. He got a warehouse. He has a thing where any cop in any neighboring jurisdiction can come into this warehouse. It is incredible. He got it for free and they can sign out anything, anything they want. Clothes, shoes, belts, uh, 
Love shampoo, it. deodorant. It's a warehouse. It's full. $3 million in this thing called badges and boxes. And he said, I here in Albemarle, North Carolina, everybody's fucking poor. And we were, we go to all these domestics and all the domestics are because they're broke as fuck. They have nothing to do. I love and it. Like, this dude goes as far as there's a big giant note. I, we, he gave me a tour. There's a giant note on one of the boxes that say, do not dis- deliver without. And then it says like eggs, oil, butter. And I said, what the fuck is that? He said, it's brownie mixes. Some of the cops are coming in here and they take it and they give it to the people, but they can't fucking make brownies. Uh-huh. They don't even need the ingredients. Oh, yeah. Dude, this guy is not on the news. He wouldn't come on my podcast. He had, uh, I don't know if you know him, Jaku, uh, what's his name, Drew? Boyant. The, 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 like he's the leader in human trafficking. He's been hunting humans for 29 years. They broke open this white, this badass case out of Albemarle, North Carolina. So these human trafficking SEAL team family, like all these people are in Albemarle to kind of celebrate this guy. He mentions none of it. We do a live podcast from the fucking police department. The chief didn't get up and speak. This guy, George, this uh, the best cop I've ever met in my whole life yesterday. No clout. This guy is doing something I've never seen in so policing cool. in my life. He has no social media. So wait, so I, like he doesn't do fucking TikTok dances and like he doesn't put on a polo see, but, and a gun belt. But you, see, you see, you know what's you know what's funny about that. So as much as from what you just said, I have a man crush on him. Um, <laughs> I wish I wish that those are the guys I wish would be on social media, not for like not for like the yeah. hey look at me. I'm yeah. saying so that put that on display so that other people. I'm going to say this: the reason why I'm cautiously optimistic is a lot of the folks that I meet are now starting to get curious in terms of look hey what did you do over there and you know east fucking uh, albert or whatever of north carolina you know so i think the curiosity now is starting to kind of shift back where at the very least guys like that i dig i dig the fact of like hey i don't have to be in the spotlight that makes that dude to me like amazingly attractive but i'm saying those are the guys that i wish would be in the spotlight not to be bre- the guy. I almost cried. I almost like I almost yeah. teary with the dude. I said, "Listen, man, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been preaching Bad the same ass. things over and over again." And I find I'm. I said, "Dude, I almost can't. I find every. Ask my wife. I found every excuse under the sun. I think I was whining to you, Drew. I was like, "Oh, I don't want to fucking drive three hours there twice or one. I don't want to have fucking dinner with a chief. I don't want. Yep. I like the only reason I'm going is because this human trafficking thing, and that's always kind of important because they have five kids. I really. Of I course. told you guys, no, you all you had to do." was like give me some kind of glimpse of this and i would have been here in a heartbeat but that's shitty on me right because i should just be wanting to do this anyway and i said dude you've changed my heart because this is like real deal like bro i cannot believe that nobody knows that you're doing this this is the biggest news i've covered in three years of of doing this i love it but but i love it this is is exactly the point like i've done this soul searching since i've retired like it's been two and a half years or whatever it is yeah and I, I mean, Benino swears I look like I'm in my 60s or 70s. I thought you were 38. Uh, look, yeah, I'm 39. So uh, I just, you know, I grew my hair back. So, um, but listen, I, in the soul searching I've done, I've come to realize, like, I, I lived a somewhat quiet, humble. Look, I'm nowhere near George Wilson that you're describing. Like, I didn't have a three million dollar warehouse, and you know, I'm capable of that, but I didn't have that. What I'm telling you is this, though. Uh, I, I never wanted the credit. I wanted the credit to go to somebody else. I never needed the credit, which 
hurt me at times. I mean, there, there are, I, I still, you know, um, I, I still hold bitter, like, uh, anger that uh, people don't recognize the fact that there is a huge difference between not being a yes man and just being a no man, you know, or not being a no man and just being a yes man, one. And two, like, uh, just just remaining so humble that you don't, you don't talk about your shit. So what I've done, even in retirement now, I, I'm like, look, I've got nothing to lose anymore. I've got no, I have no one left to impress. So anything I got that's in my head is, is useless right now because I'm not in the profession anymore. So it's all yours. Like I, I'm going to share it. And, and if, if somebody asks, did you do that? I'm going to say, fuck yeah, I did that. You know that, I mean, that came from the heart. I, I wrote that project and you know, my, my agency trampled all over me after I wrote it. You know what I mean? I like, I don't even think they read, you know, I, I did a, a project on uh, dispatcher trauma or trauma in the civilian sector of, uh, of a law enforcement agency. It, it was well-researched. I'm not breaking my arm to pat myself on the back. You can read it if you want. Uh, the world, it's not going to do me any good sitting here collecting dust on a shelf. It's for the world to use. It's for everyone else to, to use. And I'm, I am definitely not going to sit back and say, no, 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 no. Like I, I'm more than willing to let anybody use it or do what they want with it. But, um, like the days of me being humble about it are over. I, I don't, you know, maybe it's just a maturity thing. Like I don't give a shit if you think I'm being egotistical or what, because I'm telling you, I wrote that from the heart and I was doing it out of the protection of the 200 people that I worked with and that are still up there. And by the way, are suffering even worse now. So, uh, because the agency, you know, ran, ran, uh, by ego as opposed to running it by, uh, you know, how it should be run by, by good. Yeah, but like I said, like that warehouse example, right? Like that, that for me, I, a guy like that's never going to be able to be cocky because it's not in his DNA. He's Dude, just that, he's, damn, he's just, he's just that yeah. damn good. I want you to I would, love, I would love to see it put on blast though, so that these, yeah. these opposition outlets can just be silenced for a minute. So Show me what yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would love that guy. guy. Like, I, I, I want to like the fucking. I, I think this dude would be just like, I, I man, I, I listen. My whole my mission in life is like, I'm gonna find like a celebrity to like just call this dude or like take him to lunch or something. But this warehouse that he has, it is a, a, he found. It was a rundown, just fucking. It was an old restaurant. It was like an so old. So cool. And, so um, cool. He asked the person that lived there. He was like, "Hey, listen, if I can get some stuff donated by a church, can I store it here?" And they were like, yeah, dude, this thing hasn't been used in like 30 years. Take it. And he ends up like calling Walmart and he's like, hey, man, like, is there any way that we could like buy a pallet off of you? And the first pallet, I guess the story goes, he was like, yeah, they said that if I paid the shipping and the shipping was like 1500 bucks, bro, he didn't say he paid for it. But like, I bet you that fucking dude you paid that percent in butt yeah, fuck you know Albemarle, North Carolina, probably yeah. making 28 grand a year. Yeah. And he's like, that just led to like Walmart being like, Oh, well, we can give you free pallets, but you don't know what's on them. Or we can do a $1,500 pallet and we'll tell you what's on it. And he was like, we'll just take the free ones. And he just started getting these pallets. And while I was there, this woman comes in from like two hours away and she's like, I got this dude. He lost his job. And his his daughter is on these meds that have made her fat. And she's getting picked on at school. And I remember seeing a thing that you put out on Facebook that you have this, this organization. And she was like, so can I, 
I, am I allowed to go in there? And he was like, oh my God. Yeah. He's like, here's the key. I have to do a podcast. Go in there and help yourself. That's crazy. <laughs> what? What? Dude, it was, it, uh, bro, I had to force him to come on the podcast. Here's the other thing, Tom. The chief, we had this, the whole child trafficking. They broke open like this massive child trafficking thing. That's what brought this Yaku who is on Blaze TV, Glenn Beck. Like he has a nightly show on, yeah. on the Blaze and everything. This is a big, there's 150,000 followers or something on just Instagram alone and, and a ton on YouTube. And, um, it brought these guys to this small town, which it, it, they have this meeting and the guy gets up and gives a speech. The Jaku guy, the chief said not a word. The detective said not a word. You know, how like all the chiefs always got to, they got to, they got to stand up. They got to fucking say something. I was watching the chief waiting. Cause I'm like, God, how long is this thing going to go? Well, I mean, I wasn't cause it was fascinating. Honest to God. But I, but you know, when the fascinating part's over, you're like, all right, now when's the boring shit going to start? Yeah. Over the chief and the chief's like, um, oh, I was like, this is a, what is this fucking department? I'll join it right now. That's right. See, look, Eric has this thing, uh, Tom, that if you achieve the rank of captain or above. No, that's when you like, have to make your decision, a captain. <laughs> then you are useless to him. Like, no, no, no. You make a decision, a captain. You say, I'm either going to be for the people, the and Tom I'm not going to be a captain right. anymore. I'm going to get promoted right. uh, here in a second. Or I'm going to sell my soul and I'm going to become a major. Right. Oh. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's true. I could what do you think I'm going to be a real piece of shit yeah. and become a chief? <laughs> well, I tell you, man, uh, I, I took it very to heart where when I didn't get selected and I said, but then maybe this is almost like uh, somewhere where I reinforced as a badge of honor that people kind of see my genuineness. I don't know. You know, that's I, I identify with that also. Like I didn't leave as a captain. Okay. I mean, you know, there's a reason for that. It's not just. It's not just because I'm an asshole. It's it's definitely not because I wasn't capable. It's definitely not because there wasn't room for me. Um, but there was, you know, maybe some kind of divine reason. Like I, I'm more than happy uh, to to you know leave for my own happiness, and yeah. you know uh, collect that pension that you talk about and uh, just do this for a living if I choose or if I don't choose. You know what I mean? But you know what kills me though, like you know what Eric's alluding to is. Um, uh, never in my life did I ever think I would get to a point where what I speak about were counting time backwards. Time is so precious. You know, my mother died young. Uh, I lost two very close friends to suicide on the same day at 14 years old. Um, it, you know, to me, life is precious. You know, a family member, uh, 19 years old, seven months pregnant with a baby in her belly, uh, died of a heroin overdose plus the baby. Uh, another one, 19 years old, again, uh, killed uh, my wife's cousin killed in a, uh, a car crash, um, you know, DWI crash. So I always I believe life is precious. And I and, and now the fact that I find myself counting it backwards because of the way it's become, uh, I hate myself for that. If I'm being candid with you, um, because, man, I got so much fuel left in my in my tank and so much passion to give and, and to be the type of captain that you're talking about. I mean, shit, I've been through 600 doors with my with my boys. That's what we did. And I got to a point where I'll, I'll hold the, the fucking garbage bag. You know why? I just want you guys to know I'm here. I can do it. I want to be I want to be in the stack. That's not my ego talking. That's my just where I've always seen my my brain still says go. But my body says, no, I'm getting old. But <laughs> right. Um, right but, I get that. But That's at least, your happy place. But at least but at least if I could be even a custodian for you, man, and do what I wish I would have had. 
You know, you understand me? I I wish I would have had somebody standing there to give me the reason to be bold and say, hey, man, you're a human being. If you trip and scuff your knee while you're doing this and it doesn't look great for for the, the person on the cell phone video with you, I'll defend you vehemently and I'll die on the hill because I'll tell everybody who you are and what you're about. Man, you know what I wouldn't give for that, man. I ain't asking you to. I ain't asking you to buy me lunch. I ain't asking you to give me the fancy nothing. Just back me. Yeah. Now, and if I get it wrong, if I get it wrong, I'll be the first one to say I got it wrong. I'll be the first one. Yaku said something to me today, uh, and it was excellent. Uh, he and I. Uh, he's an NGO, non-government. He's from South Africa. Hunts human beings for a living. He's been doing it for twenty-nine years, hunting human traffickers. This is what those movies were made of, of, of yeah. this guy. incredible guy. I, I can't believe I never heard of him until today. And he said that um, what they have in Albemarle, he was explaining it to me. He said, say, when you're a ground troop, when you're a, an, an infantryman and you're, you're pounding on the ground, when you have air cover, when you know that there's an inspector gunship, when you know that there's a predator drone that's above you, oh man, you will go the distance. But when you're in Benghazi, on a rooftop and you don't have that support, you're, Wait, you're winning and your leadership. This is what he said. Jackie said, your leadership is the air support. And when Stop. your men, your street cops, your infantry dudes know that they have air support when they've got up, they're going to go the distance. And we talked in depth about street cops because he said, you know what? One thing that he didn't realize uh, Lindsay hasn't looked through yet. And, and a lot of leadership, this is where, this is my problem with it. With the captains is, if it comes to trafficking or anything, the street cops know more than you, Captain. They know what's in there. That's a fact. Especially right now. I, I mean, I, I I submitted my stuff to an organization, um, and then I started reading a little bit more about the organization. And the guy uh, who I who was running it was uh, a, a chief deputy somewhere. He was the second in command. And I started reading some of his stuff, and I'm not trying to put him on blast. He's got his opinion, and I have mine. But he uh, basically said that he started, and it was, you know, I'd already submitted. But he he essentially said, uh, look, what we all recognized, we all recognized during George Floyd is that it's not enough just to say that, you know, there's we have a racism problem in law enforcement and blah, blah, blah. And he went on to say that we've formed this big uh, conglomerate of deputy chiefs and chiefs and sheriffs, and we're going to fix this problem. And and I I, I was just shaking my head, kind of like in shock. Like, well, f- first of all, you're conceding that this was a racial issue, which I, I still am not convinced. I mean, uh, the, the, you know, that might be a controversial stance. I don't, I really don't care. It never came up in the trial. It certainly came up in the news media. And for some reason, we all have to follow that. And for another reason, we all have to bow to it because it came up in the media, not because it came up between the interaction between those two. One. And two, he's going to solve the problem with other chiefs and deputy chiefs. What's missing? Those guys have been away from the fucking street for so long they have no idea what it's like to stand. And I'm not, I'm not calling you out, Tom, but I mean, they have, no I idea me out. they have no idea what it's like in 2023 to knock on somebody's door and have them tell you, go fuck yourself. First <laughs> amendment. I'm recording you. Da da da. We didn't have that. 
that we had a we had a, a a measure of respect. People still kind of feared us. Some other people still respected us. Now, I'm not talking about the the majority of society who I think does support law enforcement. They do. I'm talking about the small, you know, the small cross section that we have no choice but to deal with who are 10 times worse than when I got out there. And if you're some deputy chief that that reports to an office every day, you don't know that. You have no fucking clue what these deputies are going through. I have, I have a slide that I, that is part of my show, uh, part of my show, excuse me, part of my class, um, where it says, you know, Hey leaders, if you want to start fixing this problem, you know, I say, start talking to the people in the trenches. Um, every, every command staff briefing is what command staff, right. every, I've never been, I was never invited by my department to go to one of these big conferences as far as like these IACPs and all this stuff, right? Who's there? It's all the leadership factions oh, celebrating their successes all day. Why don't you get why don't you get actually the people doing the job to give the climate feel as to to the leadership? Yo, guys, girls, this is what we see as the biggest obstacles in front of us. It's not what we were discussing before the show started. It's not because society's become more violent, it's because you're handcuffing us to go ahead and counteract that violence. And then when we do, we are instantaneously barbarians, bloodthirsty and all that. So I always say to everybody, I I deal with NYPD a lot. I say, stop telling stories. And I learned this from George Floyd. Stop telling stories starting in chapter four. Let's go back for a minute. Opinions aside, factual basis, learn how to tell a story. And the story is some people decide some days to come into contact with the police by what? Committing an offense. No, no, no. I'm not forgiving everything that police do and saying we always get it right. No. But I'm saying you got to start telling the story at chapter one. So no, I go to all the hot spots. You know, you're saying you went to where you just went in North Carolina. Like, why would you ever have a reason to go there? So I do believe I'm a faithful man. That brought you there. So, like, for me, I, I've been to Kenosha. I've been to Minneapolis more times than I care to admit. I walk the square looking like this and I talk to people. What do you think of the police here? You know why? Because I don't want to listen to what Fox or CNN says. I want to see it for myself. But then shame on you, Mr. Chief, Mr. Mrs. Sheriff, for being thousands of miles away, saying that that whole police department should be burned to the ground because they're all inherently biased. You don't know a good goddamn of what you're talking about. I'm telling you that for a fact. You don't know them. So what? So so you know what I do in my class? I say I show the picture of George Floyd. I said, let's play out that scenario right now with one dynamic shift that there's no uniform. And you're going to tell me, you know, just from the video alone that this whole thing was perpetuated because of race. That's what you could honestly tell me. Right. I can't. I can't do it. And, And again, but like like you alluded to before. When we get to a certain rank, we we somehow feel this like obligation where I have to. But those are the guys and girls, and I'm not giving, I'm not patronizing you by saying you should do this. Those are the guys and girls I say, answer me why. Why is it that you feel you have to do that? And then show me by doing that, are your same communities now holding parade floats of you? No. Mm-mm. Now to do with the warehouse, I'll put him on, I'll, I'll run through a wall for that guy. Yeah, I, I, I do. I'll run through, I'll run through. Listen, I'm like, I'm going to get an Albemarle flag. 
flying outside my house right now. I'm so fucking boned up on those dudes. But yeah, you know, I told I, you know, I said on the, the podcast today with with Yaku, you know, we were talking because I'm a big street street cop advocate, and, and yeah. we preach to street cops every single day. We get what I would like what seven hundred thousand downloads for the year. The year's not even over yet. You know, we yeah. get we have a big reach. We talk, like you're a leader as a street cop. You don't have to be. You know, stop trying to be something else. Be a great street cop, and oh. shit will come. But like, be a great fucking street cop and be proud of that. Don't be trying to. To, to to get into other things just be a good fucking street cop but i told yaku the other day that he's like do there are great street cops and i said the only thing i have to say today about this this thing has been great but you guys had the best dinner i've ever been to you guys had dss you had uh child services you had operation safe house you had this guy uh jaku the, the, the uh, child trafficking you have all this you had detectives you had the chief you had the deputy chief you know what you didn't have you didn't have one fucking street cop. The guys who are all this it. information, all this. You, you don't have the guys who are executing the X's and O's. You don't have the guy that knows the. I said, Jaco, if you went to a, if you went to Dallas, Texas, right now, which child trafficking hub of the world of the world, if you went to Dallas, Texas, right now, and you went to the B cop with all the hotels on it, and you just said, "Yo, can I ride in the front seat with you tonight?" and you jumped in the front seat with that street cop, that peasant street cop, and you said. Hey, turn your body camera off really quick. Where's the sex trafficking going on? That motherfucker would be like, you see that girl and that girl? That's his pimp right there. You see that hotel right there? Shady as fuck since I've been here. And you'd be like, well, why has anybody done anything? Oh, they say it's been like that for 30 years. You get you get 10 times more information from that street cop than you would any FBI uh, agent. Yeah. But again, that's where... meetings at these conferences, like you said. And I, and I got to say, though, I, I finally see the pendulum shift that if we have the opportunity, I don't know if that will seize it, but... That generation is now just by virtue of age, attrition, and whatever is now leaving. So that's where I said, man, it doesn't take a lot to stand out right now. Oh, the, no. the bar has been the bar has been <clears throat> reduced to such a to such a way. I say this to my son. You said you have five kids. I have four. This is my son. I said, you know, son, listen. I mean, if you give one click more than mediocrity, you're going to be a star. <laughs> so, so I'm like, so if that's the case in policing, right? But then we have to change the metric. We got to have, you know, the the fortitude as as the current administrations to identify who our leaders are. And I call that by crisis change and stability. Who are the ones that step up at those times? Stop it with who got a 99 on a test. You know, so yeah. what? So they can regret, you know, so. And I would say that I say, did you ever think maybe those metrics are skewed? You know, so um, I do pray. Maybe, hey, look, maybe I still believe in the Easter Bunny. I don't know. But I'm looking at it as there's got to be room. You know, you take your five and, okay, there's two of the political pundits in there. There's one that checks a box because of a diversity clause, let's say. But I got to say, we got to You got to allow some standard deviation in there for the competency ones. I mean, uh, shit. Somebody's Why wouldn't you want that? Well, yeah. but because but it's going to attract more. Yeah, somebody's uh, got to do uh, the thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, if you have no role model, if you have no like, if you have no mentor, you have no leader that's in the senior ranks. What are you? Who are you looking up to? Who are you striving to be? Because you can't strive to just like, oh, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to change it all on my own. No, no, you're in a different but to, club. But, with but to club. Eric's to Eric's point though about that street that beat cop that street cop. I'm saying I think they're going to almost be forced into because of the recruitment crisis of, hey, uh, we got to look sexier. So how do you look sexier? Right. Give me a guy or a girl that's a kick ass cop 
And if I'm a young buck, I'm going to say, I want to work for him. I want to work for her. I mean, shit, that looks like the movies. Yeah, so I think they're going to be poor. You know, all these departments are parading around their gay pride, fucking LBGTQ explorers. <laughs> that one, they had to fucking hire an artist for it. Then they had to hire a board to approve the art. Then they had to find somebody to wrap it. They lobbied for that. Then they had to price out everything. I mean, they by the time they get that fucking uh, explorer LGBTQ thing out, it's the price of a Lamborghini. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you right now. When I saw an Apple, I didn't want it. Like, I haven't been a cop in like four fucking years. I'm a distillery owner and a full a full-time podcaster. I didn't want anything to do with going back to cops except being an advocate for street cops. And now I'm like, yo, are you serious? I want to go be a cop. That's recruiting right there. Like, if I saw that. 100%. If you showed me that you showed me this George Wells dude that one not only listens to a podcast like this that has a chief that allowed me to open up my mouth in front of the leading dude in all of child sex trafficking that's some balls like because I'm pretty much the opposite Drew and I are the opposite of TikTok dance cops okay so this guy <laughs> had the balls to let us into his agency to do a live podcast from their training room with this amazing human being but that's that hopefully. Hopefully that episode that we did, the two episodes that we did there, I hope that there's a whole bunch of people out there that listen to that episode and be like, yo, okay, I want to be, I want to hunt human beings, human traffickers. But, but bro, school as shit. But bro, look, look at how easy that was. Now, if you weren't who you are in, in this, you know, in this current situation, but you were just, uh, you know, you were still a police officer or you're just a common Joe. And I run into you as a young kid and I say, oh, hey, you know, uh, I want to be a cop. You know, you, you're in you live in North Carolina. You know, can you recommend any places? I, what would you right there? That was just from one afternoon of spending with them. You just would say, hands down this place. <laughs> you see how easy that was? It does it for itself. There's let me let me venture a guess. There's no sign on bonus. There's no. Oh, hey, have you seen some of these flyers now? Paid overtime. Thank you. I mean, that sounds that sounds amazing. Oh, you, so, so you'll pay me for like extra hours? Oh my god! I mean, I, I can't. Uh, you know, like you're gonna seventy hours? I can't. And uh, and these people shake hands. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh yeah, doctor, 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 doctor. Right? Like I'm like. I don't get it, man. I, I don't. I'm I'm so jealous of some of these guys and girls because I and I wrote about it where you must not own a mirror. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I pick myself apart daily. There are so many things I hate about myself. I've dealt with imposter syndrome, guilt, you know, a guilt complex of this or that. I've ruined, you know, and I own every, I don't have a sexy story. I ruined I, just a couple days ago would have been my 19th anniversary. I'm now estranged. I own it all. These guys and girls are so damn proud of themselves and the system that they've been in charge of is in shambles. Yeah. And I take it near and dear because just like you, bro, I got four kids. I'm almost done. I got, you know, for the first time, I'm counting it backwards now, right? Two more years. That's it for me, babe. I'm, I'm you know, but I'm saying, uh, you know, I got four kids. What the hell society they're going to grow up in? My son wants nothing to do with this job. Used to. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you guys keep celebrating your successes at your next golf outing. I really yeah. am. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tell you your know, third wife I said hello. Another, uh, I think Jeez. another issue that people have, uh, and I still maintain this, like, if you're going to take, it, it, don't sit around and bitch about the profession dying. 
I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about yeah. the rank and file, the street yeah. cops. How about you take the fucking thing back? Like, you don't need a lieutenant bar. You don't need stripes on your sleeve to be a leader. I, I, I spent, I'm going to tell you right now, I spent six years in the penalty box, basically. They built me up to be a leader. And, uh, you know, I had leadership abilities before that, obviously. But, I mean, they built me up to be a leader. I got into trouble. I got demoted. And then they expect me to forget all of my fucking leadership qualities or leadership abilities. Bullshit. I, I, I shouted even louder. I wanted to make sure that people understood. You're not going to keep me down, first of all. But second of all, I'm a leader within. I don't need any of your, your stupid fucking rank or any of that. And I just want to do the right thing by the people. And I want to do the right thing by the people around so, me. So you, it sounds like we share a brain on this. Um, I tell people all the time, and I say just, I practice what I preach. I tell everybody, and administrations get mad at me for this, and they throw stones, and I don't care. I say, I tell all the young ones, I said, you work for yourself. You work with an agency. Right. An agency is inherently, at some point, going to let you down in one version or another. Yes. So if you don't realize that you yourself have a subscription to what it is that you abide by, you work for you. And I said this, I don't care the shittiest boss in the world. Nobody controls 100 percent of your time. So I got a laundry list of what my shit boss tells me to do. I'll check that off in 10 minutes. You know why? Because they couldn't lead sardines out of a can. So I knew that. So I said, oh, yeah, I got you. You can try You're trying to get me busy work, whatever, whatever. Okay. Boom. Done. And then I'm out doing what I want to do. That's on you. And why selfishly it fulfills me. Yeah. And those are the connections I would make. So yeah, I was that guy that I would be able to tell you, Oh yeah, I know him by first name. I know her. I know her MO. This is where she normally meets so-and-so. And that's how you get effective and good at what you do. So I, I say it with humility, I'm a record holder in my place. And you know what I do? I give everything I can because I want every record I have to be beaten. That's leadership. I want the game to keep getting played and played better than when I played it. That makes me proud. My legacy lives on then. See, it's not easy. This isn't hard. This isn't advanced physics. And I always leave my ego out the door. I tell everybody that. I don't understand that. No, I, you, you, you know, you're the best in the world. Just go ask you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a clip, and you have to trust me, or I'll send it to Drew. However, you get in touch with you. I'm gonna send you a clip. I'm gonna make a clip of this George Wells. I'll say his fucking name. I don't give a shit. Wilson, right? George, George Wilson. I got him on. I, I had to force him onto the end of the show. Like I had a, a great show with these human trafficker hunter humans. They were telling incredible yeah. stories. Go follow our Patreon and listen to those two episodes. You guys are gonna love it. Uh, these guys, real deal shit. Like some real badass. Like the guy from Benghazi, Oz from Benghazi, called in on the show today. It was insane. Wow. It was wild. So, but I finally get George Wilson up on the on the stage. Uh, you know, finally up to the microphone today. And I said, George, you brought this whole thing on. You've heard me praise your agency. You, you heard Jaku praise your agency. You know, tell me real quick, how did you make this all happen? I know you don't want to be here, but just tell me how the motherfucker. I had to interrupt him. He said, well, uh, you know, there's so many great officers and the chief is just so, I mean, you know, in, in, in the church. And I said, yo, please don't fucking write a book. I stopped. I was like, don't write a fucking book. That's the worst book ever. Like I need, this is your time to shine, baby. Like I'm, I'm, I need to know every cop needs to know how this fucking happens. We got to recreate this. You know, th there was no bureaucracy. There was no red tape. Like it's unbelievable to me. It's I'm still blown. Away. I, I, I'm speechless. It's unbelievable. To me that there's a fucking guy can just be like, 
Yeah, we've got a lot of domestic issues. And every time I go there, all the cabinets are empty. All the kids have fucking shitty clothes. And there's got to be a way that they could just come in here for free, that cops can come in here for free and, and just like find a way to empathize with these people and be like, hey, the reason why you guys like are having such a shitty night and this whole domestic thing has happened is because you're hungry. Like, I'm going to make this arrest because you can't beat your girl. But I'll be right back after I drop you off at the jail and I'm going to fucking fill your your cabinets up and I'm gonna make sure your kids have clothes. Like, are you serious? I, I can't, like I said, you telling me this about this guy is all got my juices flowing. Cause like I said, I love those stories. And again, and, and to a fraction of what that guy did, like that was my, always, always my mentality. Like we can't get away with what we're supposed to do. Right. So we're not law enforcement is such a small part of what we actually do, even though, like I said, I take it so seriously as far as what I said before, you know, I love going after what the bad guy, like the cliche, mm-hmm. uh, but doing it that way, though, like that to me is like the epitome of what it was supposed to be about. You, you know, those that you fight, you don't have to hate those that you guard. You don't have to love. You could do both. Right. Mm-hmm. And and, and that's me. Like that's what he was saying, and that's how that's how the whole child trafficking thing started in his feet. Because I I, I, like I pride on this guy, not on the show. He didn't do it, but I said like so. Like you got to honestly tell me like how did you know that these kids were being trafficked this way? And he said, well, they kept running away. And I just asked myself, they're not running away to anything pleasant. It's like they're running towards a shark, so they must be running from a fucking alligator. So I started trying instead of just like getting them for chewancy and hunting them down. I started digging into why these kids keep running away from home. And I found out that their parents were the pimp and that they had this whole thing and the truck stops and, and it was, you know, it's, it's disgusting and disturbing and everything. And I said, dude, you are the real deal cup. Now I want to also make it really clear to the, to the fans listening to this. He did not call me to Albemarle because of his story. He called me. Because Jocko, because Jocko was coming in and he said, I've listened to your show a lot and you would love to have this Jocko guy. And he's coming in here for this dinner thing because of this trafficking case that we work, but he would be awesome on your podcast. That's, That's why right. he And then I get there and I find out there's this whole other story. I'm like, yo, why didn't you just lead with the story of your amazingness? You know, yeah, but, uh, you see, but you see what he also, you see what he also did, which I, I love to emulate that behavior too. He saw a fit, had nothing to do with him. He saw to connect the dots between you and then this guy too. So like now how I've transitioned, I'm sure Drew, you were the same way. I had to transition where as much as I love being that guy to go through the door and get the bad guy and do all that, you start to say, well, let me start being a facilitator of things. Yeah, you got to. I started to kiss it. I started to kiss and tell all my secrets. Hey, I found a way to navigate college, and and you can get it paid for, and you don't have to pay the money back. And then, if you really want to be funny, if you got all these kids like I do, uh, become an adjunct. You don't really get a callus on your hand, and your kids get to go to school for free. And I started to facilitate <laughs> all these things outside of what people knew me for about going to get the bad guy. And I said, see, there's so many facets of what makes us up. Because what are we as street cops? You're making all these different connections and bridging these, you know, and putting circuits together is really what you're doing. So yeah. why not be like really effective about that? You know, we I went from being heavy hitters just going through doors to then going to families that just had kids struggling with substance abuse that we would search their room. We would flip their rooms upside down, but give them the coming to Jesus talk. So we could show the different faces of us. It's not all about enforcement sometimes, Right. So what that dude did to me, he checks every box in my mind of the epitome of a leader. I got a man crush on him. 
I'll tell you that right now. The whole leadership thing is like, I don't need you to show me exactly what to do. I need you to point me in the right direction, give me an outline. Facilitate. Yeah, just just protect me if I make a mistake or two. But the only way I'm going to learn is if I make a mistake or two. But, you know, like, it's like fucking ice skating. Like, you know, I don't know if Eric's a skateboarder, but I mean, you know, learning ice skating, it's tough. Like, it's tough. You're going to fall down. You're going to get back up and, and all this. But. You, nobody can. Nobody is going to stand behind you and hold you on your waist and skate you down the ice, especially if you play hockey. I mean, so it's it's a matter of just point me in the right direction. Let me know if I'm veering too far off the course. Give me an outline of what you know the objective is, and tell me if I'm fucking up. And from there, I, that that to me is that's development. That's leadership. That's, yeah, but because you're not going to be there tomorrow they're going to be there tomorrow to do that and 100%. hopefully show somebody else. But I, So what I teach throughout the country is to start it on incremental levels. So if you, let's say, let's use the, the example of like doing a search warrant job, right? And so I always say I identify the leader of the job, even though the rank would dictate it would be me, but I say, no, no, you then, and I want to hear you go and identify who did what. So what is it? You're getting used to and you're getting comfortable and you're getting accommodated to credit sharing. So, so I don't care at the end of the day, it's gotta be me. Cause you know, man, when we get up there in rank, it's obligatory invites. So it's, you know, you go to the banquet, but I've always said, how about bringing the people who got you to that banquet? That might be their only time in the sun, but get the, get used to credit share. We all think when we get to that certain rank, if we do that, it diminishes our stature when in fact it, it nurtures it. And everybody, everybody asks me that knows me locally, man, how do you get these guys that will do this for you? How do you get these guys that when they see you, they say hello to you, but they ignored me. I said, you know, I said hello to them. I mean, it's grocery line etiquette. Like, yeah, Uh, you call it grocery line etiquette. I always called it simple. You learned it in kindergarten. You learned it in Sunday school, the golden rule. Just do onto others as you wish them to do onto you. It, it, yeah. it goes, it's a complete respect. You don't, you don't have to identify with a criminal like, man, I really support your criminal behavior. But if he's showing you respect, you can show respect back. And I guarantee you're going to get the job done twice as effectively. You're probably going to get more mileage out of that period. You're going to have credibility. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I did, what you guys are doing, though. You guys clearly have a platform that allows us that are still in the field, whether of rank or not, that catharsis and that means of I'm not crazy for feeling the way that I feel. Yeah. And, I, and what's refreshing for me to hear is that you then challenge them, though. Don't just gripe, man. You know, complaining without posing a solution is just called whining, and nobody wants to hear that. Right. So what I like to do is I challenge them and the people that say to me that are kick-ass cops, oh, yeah, but I don't want to be a boss. You know, you lose. And I say, but see, that's where you're wrong, man. It's not about the patch, the ring, the rank, the ribbon. Uh, but what it's about is that's that's what the real deal in terms of how you can truly effectuate organizational change is you have to put yourself into the sandbox. So not all of the good cops could turn a blind eye to it because then we'll have no no good leaders. That's when you allow the bookworms to surpass you. And then you wonder why somebody like that who has the personality of my shoe that gets into a leadership position. And every time I go by them, they're meaner than a dog shitting tax. Well, yeah. Well, or they were born right. in the right I mean, zip code. You expect you know, something different? I don't. The the the, uh, the nepotism, or you know, just being born in the right zip code, all of a sudden makes them a, a brilliant, fucking stellar leader. And and 
never been to an executive leadership school, but they're in an executive leadership position. Give me a fucking break. It, it's, well, it's, uh, yeah, but I, I don't know about you, but this is where I create my adversaries, and I own it. I own it. These elite leadership institutes throughout the country, I mean, you don't fail out. <laughs> and true. if we have thousands and thousands of graduates, then why do we have such a leadership problem? Well, I'll tell you. Well, I, I, just, like I said, just, just like being an addict, right? What's the first step? You got to admit you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to go. Uh, I, I won't go toe-to-toe with you on this. I, I won't because I've been – I'm a product of one. I, I went through SPI. But uh, I, I can tell you this. It's the synergy – in there and it's the contacts you make. It's not necessarily to, to make people into a, a, a different f- brand of leader uh, because that's to me. And, and luckily I, I, I did my uh, academic work when you could still do academic work without being fucking brainwashed. But that's, that's what academia is for. That's the, you know, you should be challenged, you know, uh, bachelors or masters or whatever uh, and beyond. That's where you should be learning that part of the job or the criminal justice administration part. These leadership classes, I think, you know, and, and they vary in degree of, uh, I, I don't want to get too far into it, but they vary in degree of difficulty, I guess we'll say. Uh, uh, and, and some are just, uh, you know, you do a fucking obstacle course and, and everybody just pats each other on the behind and, and you're all good. All of a sudden you're, you're super leaders, but there are some that are effective that are actually teaching you things and you're learning more from the group than you are from the, the institution itself, because it does get the juices flowing. I mean, it's a good little sabbatical at least to, to get, you know, I don't know if that's what it was like when you went to West Point, but uh, no, I But you hit the nail on the head, though. That's what I mean. It's by I would rather see it called networking and learning from like imagine if that chief from the place in North Carolina that Eric went to imagine if he was giving these ideas out in it. That to me would be so valuable compared to you giving me a course on this is the latest evaluation tool that we use to show the production (laughs) of our officers. Like, you know, when you have all the chief conferences go to Seattle. Right, like, what has Seattle done to deserve to have a fucking chief? Like, there's no leadership in Seattle that garners every other chief in the country to go see what the fuck a Seattle is doing. You know what I mean? Like, you should be going uh, to, to some of these agencies that are actually putting up numbers and 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 re- holding re- retaining uh, retention and, and recruiting. Imagine that. Oh gosh, listen, don't get me started. Uh, but you know, so, I, I don't, what I've learned and what we always say is it's. Um, you know, I don't think a George Wells, I don't think he showed up to work and he said, what kind of program can I start? He didn't say that. He didn't show up to work and said, no, he saw a need. What did I do? What he he wanted to do onto others. Is he said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a street cop. I'm going to be a good fucking cop. And when you become a good fucking cop, things fall into your up. I made officer of the year my last year. And I'm probably the worst. I listen. I just wrote a book. I just got my first big major book deal that I just signed. Simon and Schuster, super excited. Uh, and and I, I, it was a comedy. It's called Pig Latin, a seriously funny true story time. And it's just a comedy about my career. I was the biggest idiot of all the time being a cop. I was the worst rookie of all time. And I made it to officer of the year in a big city police department. And it had nothing to do with me wanting to be a leader. I didn't want to make change. <laughs> all I did was I put a smile on my face and I said, dude, I'm just going to show up and I don't give a fuck. I could care less if I get promoted. Or I do. I promote me or don't promote me. I don't care. Make me a canine cop. Don't make me a canine cop. I'm going to come here and I'm going to do work. I'm going to walk up bad guys. I'm going to change some flat tires. You know, I luckily for me, when, and I, I detail this 
pretty comedically in the book, but it's, I'm being sincere. When I got to my squad, the hardest squad on earth, uh, you know, half the, I was in the military paratrooper the whole nine years. I've never seen hazing like I saw when I got to my squad. But the, the officers, the officers from my squad, I mean, still to this day, I, I I still look up to them as senior officers, even though I made it to, to senior officer. They were always my senior officers because they taught me they we don't give a fuck. We can yeah. give two shits. You're going to write a search warrant as a rookie. You're going to write a lot of them and nobody cares. And you're going to go and make a bug drug bust. And we're not taking pictures of it. And we're not taking pictures of our, our, our guns either. And we're not writing reports. You know, the, the whole thing was, it was all about camaraderie and the team. And, and this, the squad I came from was incredible until policing got politicized in about 2018. And then that all went away. And it was all about, oh, this is my case. I don't want to, hey, don't talk to Tom. Hey, hey, Drew. Drew, I'm working on the search warrant. Don't tell Tom. You know, because he's going to snake me and he's going to try. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was he made never- reference to it earlier. Tom Tom made reference to it earlier. It's, it's it, it, true leadership is the opposite of that. It's the opposite of being secret. It, it's not just necessarily transparency because that's overused too. But why the fuck are you, it, why are we keeping secrets from one another? What, what, what is so secret? Well, like what is right. going to give you the edge over, you know, half these guys don't have a fucking two brain cells to rub together anyway. And they're keeping the secret from you for what? Oh, you could probably improve on their anyway. process. What's that? The agency doesn't care anyway. If you're on the no. search warrant, you're not on the search warrant. They've already made up their mind. Like Tom no. said, they already made up. They know who the fuck is right. going. And, and there are times that the agency yeah. knows that you're the you're the right choice because you're the smart guy. So we want him to do it because we want to promote him. We'd rather see him do it. So you know, you're, I mean, you're I mean, up officer of the year. They made matter. me officer of the year because it was a running joke. It was funny. They were like, "Look, this dude busts his ass so hard and gives zero fucks. Like we should just, as a joke, make him officer of the year because it'll be the most embarrassing thing on it." And listen, the words like the first words that came out of my mouth when they said, "Hey, Tansy, you got to go down to the main station." I said, "Why?" And they're like, "You're getting officer of the year." And I said, "Fuck off." I was like, that's really funny. And he was like, seriously, officer of the year, just going to say fuck off. And I went into the locker room and I got dressed and I went into my car and I went to the Dunkin' Donuts and I got a donut with my squad and I got a coffee and I get a call from Sarge. Sarge is like, yo, you need to head to main station. You're officer of the year. They're going to promote. They're going to give you officer of the year. And I said, dude, fucking LT already ran that joke on me. <laughs> I like, I don't even know why it's funny. It's not, it's fucking retarded. I didn't even put like, who do you put me on the list? So, and I wouldn't even give a shit if you made me officer of the year. And they're like, dude, listen, enough of all that. Go to the main station. And I was like, yo, are you fucking serious? And literally when I got there, they, you know, it was a big running joke and everybody laughed and clapped. But you know, I tell the, I only tell that story to say this, that you don't have to be Oh, I agree. You don't have to go viral on TikToks. You don't no. have to let everybody know what you're doing. No, I, I think that there's uh, the, the biggest misconception in this world because, uh, and I see it now, you know, that I've had time to slow down and, you know, get introspective. But the, the handful of people that I've talked to that I used to work with at that place uh, were great people who just happened to be cops. It, 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 and that's what it boils down to. You, you, like you said a minute ago, Eric, like, you know, it's going to take this and this and this and you become a great cop. I, I couldn't give a shit less about their copness. They happen to be fucking great cops because they're smart people. But it, they were great people first. People first. So, so well, I we said, were, but, but that's, that's always the case, right? The, the person should precede the yeah, position. If we were plumbers, I, I always say that. But when we yeah, lose sight of that, that's half the problem that you're alluding to, right? 
Well, exactly. I want to give one case before we go. I know you got to get out of here, Tom. I have to give this case because you're from New Jersey. Have yeah. you heard of this case? It's Giovanni Impazelli. Not familiar with it yet, huh? Are you familiar with Cumberland County, New Jersey? Yes. You, you familiar with that county? Yeah. Let me let me get this. This is where the police departments are at these days. So this fucking guy, Gio, Giovanni Impazelli, 24-ish years old. Let me put a picture of him. This is what everybody in New Jersey looks like, by the way. Joking. Look at this asshole. All right. So this fucking guy, like as if you can't tell by the pictures, he should not be anywhere near a school system. They make I know, this the, I know the case. You know the case. So here we go. I just for those of you who don't know this case, really quick. We're just gonna we'll just try to touch it. Give me 10 minutes on this case. I, I want your opinion on this from a leadership standpoint. You're a detective at a department. On a Thursday, you find out you catch wind that on on a, a telecom chat group called Wolf Pissy Play. And I'm not going to call the guy a hero from Wolf Pissy Play that ratted this guy out because he's a deviant fuck in Wolf Pissy Play. But at least this asshole had some kind of a fucking boundary to say that this Giovanni Impazelli who posted nine pictures and 12 videos in this Wolf Pissy Play thread of him uh, putting a soup ladle in his asshole, shitting in, in some taco meat. He jizzed on a pillow. He stuck his dick in a bing bag and pissed in it. And, and he defiled other things among a school full of children and put this into a chat server. Uh, you know, I don't remember what it's called. The telecom, telegram, whatever, telegraph. Yeah, and he telegraph. put it into this server and they bring it to a detective on a Thursday. And the detective finds all day Thursday that, yeah, this looks bad. And the videos and the pictures are terrible. We're going to make an arrest on Friday. And it wasn't until Monday that the school system in Cumberland County in this, uh, if it was Deerfield Park or whatever it is, they come out with a telecom robo message to the parents that, uh, that the school cafeteria may have been contaminated and somebody did some lewd and lascivious acts around the things. Now, as a parent, you're a parent of four guys. At what point does a detective not say, Remember COVID, Tom, when somebody fucking sneezed and they closed the whole thing down for like two weeks? How did that detective not make a phone call? How does that department not make a phone call and say, listen, I don't know if these allegations, we don't know what we have here yet, but you need to shut it down until we figure it out. How the fuck were kids allowed to go to school all day Friday and then return to school on Monday only to receive a telegram that really kind of sugarcoated this whole incident. At what point does leadership, you know, because what I see here, Tom, is that leadership was like, whoa, this is a shit storm. What are we going to tell the parents? What are we going to do? How literally. Do the literally. <laughs> yeah. More like, like a shit yeah. soup. More like a shit soup. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So I can tell you right now, because the biggest bear in the state of New Jersey is the public education system. Uh, the largest union uh, the most powerful, I can tell you, we have, uh, MOUs with the schools, uh, you know, memorandums of, of understanding memorandums of agreement that we have, it's, uh, that we deal with. And we're fortunate, you know, locally, uh, it, that we have the good relationship, but what happens in those types of scenarios, any type of employee teacher, whatever. I mean, when I tell you they are like, you know, the secret, they're like the skulls, man, the, their society of how they handle what, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt and I don't know this but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that there probably was a notification made and that the school gets to operate in their own fiefdom of however it is that they want to deal with it and there is no consequence there is those 
the school people in our in our state, you know, have become the titans. And you cannot, I mean, there's just no dethroning it. It's just what it is that way. Now you have information that somebody could have shit in taco meat and put a soup ladle in that in their asshole and put it back in the uh, the clean dishes. You said this already. Put it back in the dishes, and you don't tell me until Monday after my kid went to school and potentially a with that ladle i will fucking in bloodlines I, I, there's, I, oh there's gonna there's gonna be a problem no doubt about it but and i'm <laughs> with you say, i can only imagine an episode of the sopranos where thank god I'm <laughs> where tony, tony gets this robo call like you know yeah. like, this is the school system and uh, well this Gini, giovanni imperelli would not be safe anywhere <laughs> yeah but you I know mean, what uh, the fuck but again, we're smarter, right? You know, we got rid of bail. We got rid of all these things. Right. Just, we just, you know, we just, we just know better. I mean, there's no, you know, there's, and again, I laugh because, and I'm with you and I, and I, I said it all the time, like, you know, man, you're quick to, to put me on notice if my kid misses a class or is he's tardy or this or that, but Man, oh man, you know, like I said, you guys definitely have, you have selective amnesia when it comes you to some of the things that you guy. Yeah. yeah, my kid was yeah. late yesterday, but you hired this fucking guy right. to be right. a janitor at a school. Like, if they, yeah. he looks like a pedo. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, like, you'll get a phone call saying that the uh, your your son misgendered the, the fucking custodian. I'll but tell you this, though. Cum- <laughs> Cumberland County is a unique part of the state. How's that? That's the that's, that's 18% Hispanic at that school and 50% or over 50%. They didn't give it an, an exact uh, percentage, but it says over 50% dis- uh, disadvantaged children. I'm guessing it's a bizarre. Yeah, you, like it's such a, you know, an offshoot. It's It's definitely... It's not a, a very populated area. It's not a very, you know, so it's not, they're not really on the map. Let's just say that much. Well, they're on the map now. And, you know, I hope this detective, like, I, I like, I, I hope he, he tried it. I, you know, I think, you know, that comes across my desk as a law enforcement officer. You know, I, I don't agree with how they handled the Nashville shooting, but I do empathize with the cops that said, this is bullshit. I've got this picture because we all fucking take pictures of crime scenes that we shouldn't take. And this guy was like, dude, are you serious? Why are we not telling the public this? And he's, he, he leaked a picture. Look, not the right thing to do, but I understand why he did it. Sure. And, and sometimes, listen, I, Batman's not always a good guy. Look at look at the Dark Knight. And that's real, right? Batman's yeah. real story. It's a true story. Um, you know, so, you know, I wish in times like that, that, you know, the detective or, or the, the agency would have more balls to call out the school system or say like, no, 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 no. You guys need to no shut this way. Do you, know, you know if that department, if that chief would have done the right thing and said, let's do a press conference right now. These are what our detectives listen. We don't know. We don't know yet, but allegedly somebody stuck a soup ladle in the kitchen in their asshole and jizzed on the safe pillow in the library. But you know what I'm saying? Like the whole town would be like anti the school and pro the cops and the street cops would be like, oh my God, for the first time in the the world, because they did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. But no, the chief was like, well, you know, we're going to talk to the school board and we're going to let them handle it. Grow some fucking balls and do the right thing. Yeah, I don't think it's and, and again, yeah, and all the parents would, you know, shout from the mountaintops that, you know what, that you looked out for our kids first. 
Yeah. Right. It's just all based right. in common sense. Yeah. I don't care about how I don't care about the whatever consequence this may have. I'm doing it where? Because it's coming from the heart. And I'm looking out for kids. You know, if so, you're the police chief and you're fucking sucking on the teeth of the city manager and you don't have any balls, call the fucking sheriff who's elected. Cause you know if that sheriff writes him, everybody in that county is gonna vote for that sheriff again. Oh, sure. the dude that stopped our kids from eating shit tacos <laughs> you know, back in yeah. 2023. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, 2019, Tom Rizzo joined Street Cop Training, where he currently instructs a course he built based around uh, leadership philosophies, resi resiliency, wellness, and career fulfillment. It's called Ivory Tower. Please make sure you catch that. You can also catch it on his web website, thomasrizzo.com. This is something that uh, oh, I'm covering him up. That's not fair. Uh, no, there, look. Kapakazi is his book. That's uh, what he wrote. Look, I just want to read two, uh, two um, uh, what are they called? Um, book uh, reviews, uh, or just reviews on his class. One, uh, one in his class, one in his book. One says, Tom was, a very was very passionate about helping others. You can tell that not only does he uh, practice what he preaches, but he's also an extremely solid person. Tom has changed my life in law enforcement, so he's got that kind of power. The second one says, uh, this is a guy I haven't met, but you know when he speaks that it's from the heart. His book is one of the most uh, selfless things you can read. Listen, I don't know if, Tom, you consider it reading if you, if you listen to it on Audible, like, uh, because that's how I consume a lot of my books. Uh, let's face it, I've uh, heard two books in the last year. Uh, yours and somebody else's, but um, let's get it, get that book anywhere. If you're a budding professional, if you're if you're a father, if you're a mentor, if you're anything, read this Kapikazi. It's just got so much common sense built into it. It's the stuff we should have been doing. It's those. It's just like he described a couple minutes ago. It's the shit that I wish I had somebody who could, who could have grabbed me by the collar in year two or three and just whispered in my ear, chapter by chapter, with his sultry pipes of uh, Tom Rizzo. Uh, mm. it, it, but no, he really does. I, I mean, he looks great, like Aaron Rodgers. Great, uh, great oh, stuff. Uh, 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 you know, uh, built on slideshow. The leadership uh, part of, of of guys that are you know the paper tigers in this profession. The thin blue line lesson he gives, uh, and just life advice. Uh, it, it's a phenomenal book. Tom, I can't thank you enough for taking the time uh, for being with us. I hope that uh, people flock to Ivory Tower. It's available online at thomasrizzo.com as well. Uh, Eric, do you have any parting words? No, Tom, you should feel special. We don't really have a lot of guests because uh, normally on Fridays we do like case breakdowns. That's why I had to throw in the New Jersey break. We just break uh, Fridays, but you know we do uh, we do five shows a week. If you ever want to be entertained, if you want to be in the know, we do political news on Wednesday. We do society and culture news with a former cop, now full time comedian Jade Darrell, really over the top black dude that like you know what I mean. He's got the old black bravado where he was like me, motherfucker. You know, but he's a comedian. It's hilarious. We got true crime on Tuesdays. We got Com Center, which plays all the horrific 911 audio. Uh, during Shark Week, y'all had like some fucking sharks eating people and 911 calls. <laughs> all this shit's all entertaining. It's all hilarious. It's not really about cop stuff. So I just want you to feel very special as being a guest on our show. This is not normally our oh, cup of tea. Uh, but you're entertaining. And, we, and Drew was like, this guy's fucking entertaining and he's going to entertain the cops. They're not going to be uh, laying nah, down. You, it, so. Listen, man, I, 
I'm a fan. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. You guys have my utmost respect, and and I wish there, you know, uh, I wish there was more out there like it. Because uh, I, just like you, just got yeah, I'm still active, but I don't consider myself a cop. I consider myself a person first. So um, I love the humor. I, I love what you guys are doing, the passion, all that, and and uh, I have no problem picking your brains as well because it's refreshing to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'll say that much. How's that? Oh yeah, I love it, dude. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you.